0: listening to the Thornapple Valley Church podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tbcweb.com. Well, welcome everyone. It's good to see you all. and Welcome everybody who's joining us online. So glad you're with us and a special hello to everybody in Middleville. Love you guys. Love you guys really. And Delton just blessed to be a part of the family with you. So uh, I just, I just, I just have to say before I start talking about uh, the talk, just I'm so, I just think it's so cool that last weekend we talked about Compassion International, which is an organization that we can be engaged with to sponsor children who are living in poverty, and we had almost 60 children in poverty sponsored last week by this church family, which is just an amazing thing. And then we actually had uh, almost 200 people go through this experience called The Journey. And I'm just going to tell you, it's not too late. You can be a part of serving children who are in poverty. And so if you will just text, as you see on the screen, TVC to 83393. You'll learn more about that. You can choose. You don't have to do something just by texting. But I challenge you, you know, text and see. And see what happens because there's something good about that. All right. So... We're going to go back into this series that we've been in, and we started this some weeks ago by asking a question that I think is really simple, and that is, am I trading significance for pleasure? Am I trading significance in my life for pleasure? In other words, am I just becoming like the ultimate consumer? Now, nobody chooses that purposefully. I don't think anybody just says, what I want to be is just a, a couch potato who only thinks about eating and entertainment and all that. It's not that we choose that, my contention is, and I talked about this last week, is that what happens in our lives is we get very busy, and then we feel overwhelmed by it, and so we escape, and then we get into this pattern of busy escape, busy escape, busy escape, and without even thinking about it, really, without even trying to, we, it's like we do exactly that. We just trade the potential significance we have for pleasure, for escapism, if you will, whatever's easiest. And this series is about fighting against that. It's about understanding, discovering, developing, and then living up a higher calling on your life. Not just to make a living so you can pay the bills, not just to get by, not just to do the occasional things that you do or hit the next vacation or the next weekend or whatever it is. It's more than that. It's to learn to know what God's called us to and then to actually live that out and make a difference in our world. So, so far, just by way of review, we've talked about the fact that all of us have callings, or what I'm calling higher callings in our lives. You, 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 it's not because you're somebody special that you get it. It's everybody. Everyone has higher callings in their life. And then we saw over the last couple of weeks that some of those higher callings are universal to all of us. So, for example, God calls all of us. This is doesn't matter what you may do vocationally or what maybe specific callings you have. We're all called first. To love God with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our soul, with all our mind. And then secondly, we talked about the fact that we're called to love other people. And that's really one of the biggest ways we show God that we love him, is we love people. And if you weren't here in the last couple of weeks, I would encourage you, watch the, watch the videos. You can go to our website, or you can download the podcast and listen to it. I think that it's worth listening to. No matter what else you do, loving God, loving people, doesn't matter. I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. You're not loving God, you're not loving people, you lose. Bottom line. and That sounds strong and hard, but that's just the reality. If you're not doing those, doesn't matter how much people think of you, doesn't matter how much money you make, but if you don't do those, this is what Jesus was very clear on. You lose. You lose. So now in this next part, what I want to do is I want to get more specific about exactly like what are you called to do individually? What is unique to you and just to give me uh, sort of help on this like a visual illustration of this and kind of just have someone to help me I asked my granddaughter Naomi and she's sitting there come on up would you welcome Naomi to the platform please so this is what Naomi's gonna do Naomi's gonna just she's just I told her bring your laptop and you can do schoolwork. you can ignore me like you usually do you can do whatever you want to all right She's just kind of up here as a visual illustration. And and here's why. See, here's the deal about Naomi. So Naomi has the vast majority of her life, not behind her like some of us old people, but ahead of her. And it is amazing. There's so many opportunities out there. There's so much she could do with her life. All these different things back here, these boxes kind of represent opportunities that she has, things that she could do. And it's exciting because, I mean, your future is ahead of you. It's so cool. But I would guess it's also a little bit nerve-wracking at times. Would you say that? Mm -hmm. It's like you look out at it and you see it and you go, I don't know, how do I, what do I figure out? And this is what I want to talk about because, because there's so much we can do with our lives. We want to make sure it's the right thing. And this is not just for people her age or Naomi. This is for all of us. So I'm going to speak to all the people with gray hair and all the people, I don't care if you're 85 or 90 or what you are, you still have the rest of your days in front of you and they should be used living out the higher calling that God has for your life. And so you should be asking, what is my higher calling for this season? And I know some of you say, well, I think I've known in the past, but you don't know what you are now today. You need to think it through. You need, what is God calling me to do in this season? But since we're up here, we're not going to focus on old people. We're going to focus on a young person here, all right? We're going to talk and think like we're kind of sitting in the shoes of Naomi. And this is where this gets kind of tricky. Because life is so full of options. So you got ABC and XYZ and all the things in between. These could be vocations. These could be hobbies. These could be all kinds of things. But she, she has all these things in front of her. I mean, many things. And, well, let's just say they're vocations. Like, so you're 14. Mm-hmm. Have you been thinking already about what you would do for a living when yes. you get older? A job? Mm-hmm. Like What? Well, um, when I go older, what I, my two main things that I'm looking into are writing and teaching. So, like, you'd like to be an author? Yes. And get really rich? No. I no. mean, that's a nice... Um. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. So, or a teacher. An yes. author or a teacher. Maybe both. Mm-hmm. And that's great, because your mom's a teacher, and that's, that's kind of mm-hmm. in your blood. So, okay, you've got all these things in front of you, but these may represent not just vocations... They may represent like relationships, like like a husband in your future. By the way, your dad says you can start thinking about that when you're 40 years old, all right? Or it may be hobbies, or it may be different ways that she might serve people. But there's all these things in front of her, all these different options that are there. And let's just say these all represent like like different opportunities. There's so many things that she could do. See? Here's why this is such a big deal. Because what Naomi knows, and you, we all know this intuitively, is, is that whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing in your future, when you choose something by default, now she, she may dream of infinite things that she could do, but by default, when she makes a choice on one of these, she understands that this is a transaction. Meaning that though she may have infinite dreams, her ability to engage in them is limited. It's finite. And so if she says, you know, for example, yes to this thing, then in effect what she's saying is these things maybe I'm not going to do, at least not at this time in my life and maybe not ever because when you give yourself to something, you give yourself fully to it and you do that thing. So here's the deal. She's got some huge decisions in front of her. (laughs) I mean, you really do when you think about it. You have huge decisions, and they make such a difference in whether your life means something and has significance and touches lives and impacts people, or whether you just kind of slide over into kind of becoming just another consumer. And here's what I think happens, and this is kind of what I want to talk about this week. I think sometimes we get so caught up looking at these things. So like, you know, Naomi's going, oh, I've got this opportunity. I could be an author. I could be a teacher. But oh, then there's this other cool thing here. And sometimes I think what we miss is that what all these things have in common is not so much what they are, but for her, what they all have in common is her. See, the central thing, and this is kind of the statement that I would like to make this weekend. This is, just, this is the simple thing, is that your higher calling always demands you more than anything else. And this is, I think, sometimes where people get confused Is we look out at the options and we want to just choose the best option, the one that makes us feel good or the one that looks like the best thing. But what we need to do is we need to understand that central to all these things, whether or not they work well or we accomplish them, is us, knowing us. And I wonder sometimes if we don't start investigating like, okay, what would it be like to be an author or be a, this, if we're talking jobs, or maybe if it's hobbies or maybe if it's ways to serve, how about if I did this and we look at these things, and that's not bad, but I wonder if what we should do first is we should look at ourselves and make sure we know how God built us. Because this is the bottom line, is that this, this may be, you, you may think this looks really good, But you're built for this. And if you don't know how you're designed and how you're built and how you're created by God, what happens is, is that you end up often doing things, and I hear people talk about this all the time, it's like they're just enduring, they're just trying to get through whatever it is in their life, and they're just existing. And you and I are called to something higher. Now there's a lot of reasons, I think, why we don't accomplish what God's, choice for me is among all these things? I think a lot of it is, is that we're just not like like self-aware. So let me just ask a question. Would you, would you say you're a self-aware person? You think you're self-aware? It's interesting to me how there's a lack of that in many lives. And There's a lot of reasons for it. Sometimes we're not self-aware because we look at somebody and we're just so impressed with them. We're like, I want to be like them. I want to do what they want to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. The trouble is, is that You are not them, you are you. And whatever it is that Naomi is called to, and we don't know exactly all those things, they'll unfold as the future comes, but she's not called to be me. She's not called to be some superhero that she sees on TV. She's not called to be like a singer or like an athlete. She is called to be Naomi Graham. That is her call in life. And God made her to be who she is. And sometimes I think we get so sucked into thinking, I want to be like... That we're not aware of who we are. Another reason, another reason why people aren't self-aware is often because you've had people in your life who project on you what they think you should be. Anybody have that happen to you? It's like we have this happen in our childhood sometimes. Sometimes it's parents, sometimes it's other people, but it's like they have an agenda for your life. They're going to tell you who you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to do it. And, and if you don't realize how powerful that is, particularly in childhood... You can spend much of your life trying to please or be like somebody that you're never meant to be because this is what we do. We project on each other. We all do it. I mean, you know this is true. I mean, it's interesting. I was thinking about that this is exactly what people did with Jesus. So he comes, you know how this works. He comes on the scene and he's doing all these miracles and people are amazed by him and love him and they think he's so cool and everything. But at some point it moves from I'm amazed by you, to I think I have a plan for you, Jesus. This is what we do. Everybody does this. And we do it to each other. We start to project what we think. And it's very interesting because Jesus, when he began to tell his disciples, you know, this is, this is what's going to happen, they, they freaked out. In fact, I want you to look at this. And uh, this is found in Matthew chapter 16. But So it says Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem And there he would suffer many things at the hand of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he had to be killed and then on the third day raised to life. Now I want you to look at this because this always amazes me. Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And look at Jesus' response. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Would you have liked to have been Peter right at that point? Get behind me, Satan, he says, because, he says, you're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Every time I read this scripture, every time I read it, I'm always amazed by it. Because what Peter does, Peter believes that Jesus is the Messiah. So he believes that he is talking to God, and he is reprimanding God. I mean, that's amazing when you think about it. He's talking, no, this should not happen. And you know why he's doing that? Because he's doing what people do all the time. He is projecting what he thinks should be for Jesus. And people are going to do that for you, Naomi. They're going to do that for me, and they're going to do that for all of us. And at different times in our lives, it's going to be bigger than others. But we must be like Jesus in that we, I love how Jesus said He just turned to Peter and he's like, I'm not listening to you. You have in mind something different than what God has. God made Naomi to be Naomi. Not somebody else, not what her grandpa might project on her and say, What I think you should do is become a preacher, or you should become, yeah. She's like, Oh, no. I think you should become this thing or that thing, or you should be a stay at home mom, you know, full time at that, or you should, I can project all that, but she needs to be who God made her to be. Now, there are lots of other reasons why we are self-unaware, but the truth is for many of us, we're just we're not really aware of the design that God put into our lives for his calling, for his purpose. And, and I think part of the reason is it, draw, it, it just requires a huge amount of energy and, and work to be clear on who God made you to be, but that is what you need to do. So that's what I want to focus on this week. This, this is what I want to talk about. Because naturally, you are... And all the people listening to this, you're watching online, you're you're in Middleville, or you're sitting in Delton, you are built and bent differently than anyone else. Uniquely and wonderfully made by God. That's who you are. And you need to be aware of how he made you because he has a plan and a call. For your specific life. You need to know the differences between you and other people. For example, you need to be clear. Naomi needs to be clear on how she's hardwired by God. What he's done on the inside of her with her personality and with her passions and all kinds of things. Now, from here on out, I'm going to cover material that some of you who have been around have heard me talk about before. But this stuff is good to keep looking at in our lives. We need to be aware, this is who God made me to be. And that helps me understand when opportunities arise in front of me, well, what is it God called me to be? Because if I'm an X, Y, Z person, to take an A, B, C role is foolishness. And so we're going to look at some different things, and, and I don't care what your age is, you may have changed, you may have evolved in some way, and so you just need to think about this, and let's kind of process through it. So first of all, we want to ask the question, how, how am I bent? And we're going to start by understanding how your personality is built. Who you are. Now, what I'm talking about here is the way you go about seeing life. And it's just different than everybody else in its own unique way. Paul was writing about the difference of a variety of people, even among Christians. And this is what he wrote. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, the body's not made up of one part, but of many. So if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. He's saying, we're all part of a body, but we're different. You are uniquely and creatively made by God. You have different personality aspects. You see and come at life differently. You're bent in certain ways. So let's just talk about some of these when it comes to like, personality. And again, I've talked about these, but these are like spectrums, okay? So, here's an ob- every everybody knows this when you've got the the person who is an extrovert on one end of the spectrum and then you've got the introvert on the other end. And I know you all know this, but just for the sake of kind of reviewing what this means, extroverts, of course, are energized by being around other people and their interaction with them. They love that. They love to be around people. They like to talk and listen to people and they love to talk and listen to themselves. It's just kind of what an extrovert is. And they don't go on vacation to get away from people. They go on vacation to find some action, baby. They're looking for other people. This is how extroverts are built. We're Whereas, you go to the other end of the spectrum and you have the introvert, they're just like the polar opposite. So where the extrovert just loves to be around people, the introvert, particularly if they're fairly extreme, what they love to be is left alone. <laughs> they're actually energized by being on their own, or maybe with one good friend or two good friends. But, but truth is, is that when they're hanging out with other people, if they get much interaction, They are exhausted by that interaction. Let me me give you an example of this. Some of you will, will resonate with what I'm saying here. Some of you, you come to church, and you love being at church. You love the church. You know it's good for you, and you come, and you do it. But when you leave, you're not even sure why this is. All you want to do is curl up and take a nap and hide in a corner somewhere. And you're like, I just came from an inspirational church service. Why do I feel that way? Because you're an introvert. You love the people, but you always love to be away from them too. In fact, mostly you love that more. That's just how you're built. So your interaction with people. Don't feel bad if you go home and you just say, "I just, I just, I'm going to go read a book. I don't want to talk to you. I don't," because that's how you're built. And it isn't better or worse. It's just the way it is. One of them is going to be more, now, I'm not talking about you have to be an extreme extrovert or an extreme introvert. You may be somewhere in the spectrum, but all of us are bent just slightly differently, and it's perfectly okay. And it will help you to understand, okay, if this demands a high extroverted personality, whatever this is in, this kind of serving or whatever it is, when you know who you are, it helps you understand God built you specifically for certain things. So this, as I said, it's neither right or wrong. It's, it's just how you're built. And let me, just, let me just add a little addendum here. And I've talked about this before. But research seems to indicate that these things can actually change over time. So I'm a, I'm a living example of that. When I, when I began in ministry, if you'd asked me, are you an extrovert or an introvert? I would have said, absolutely without question, I'm a total extrovert. I, I just am enthused by all that. Today I am an introvert. And that is a fact. And my wife tells me that maybe this next season of my life, I might come back into being an extrovert. You don't know. She kind of thinks I'm just a hidden extrovert. I'm not sure. I'm actually living as an introvert these days. So here's the question: what are you? What are you these days? Are you an extrovert or are you an introvert? What about you, Naomi? I'm predominantly an extrovert. You're an extrovert. Yeah. You never met anybody you don't like, right? You just, she is, we've talked about this stuff. So it was, when we looked at each other, when I asked her this question, she just started laughing because we both know she is an extrovert. She loves people and likes to be around them. All right, here's another part of personality. It's the idea of being on one end, a thinker and on the other end, a feeler. Now again, these these terms are very obvious and that, you know, the descriptions really kind of cue you into what they mean but thinkers they love facts and figures and policies and procedures and they like to be fair in their dealings with people they hate exceptions to the rule and they actually like rules those who are on the other end of the spectrum they don't understand people who are thinkers it's like what is wrong with you but the thinker in their mind it needs to be logical and if it's logical i'm in but if it is not logical, what is wrong with you for even considering that? That is the thinker. Now, again, this is not a bad thing about thinkers, but the more extreme of a thinker a person is, the more logical, the more sub- settled in this, this, this side of being a thinker, the less likely they are to be aware of the emotions of others. Because they're just, and it's not bad, it's just how you are. So you can be in a room and somebody will say to you, did you notice how upset so-and-so was? And you're like, well, first of all, it doesn't even make sense to you that they would be upset. But then secondly, you would say, no, I didn't see any of that. Why would they be upset? What's wrong? You don't see it. And again, it's neither right or wrong. It's just who you are. Then on the other end, you have the feelers. So they're driven predominantly by their emotional, the senses on the inside of them, and those feelings, though they, they have a hard time sometimes explaining them, for the feeler, those are all important. They would call it their gut, but they go by their gut, baby, and if they feel it, it doesn't have to make sense. That's just where you need to go. That's what feelers are like. They tend to be verbal. And they tend to be verbal processors. The studies show. So they will, you know, where the thinker, if there's a problem, the thinker goes off with a calculator and spreadsheets and figures it out and and comes to the logical conclusion. But the feeler, they don't want to think about it. They want to talk about it, and they talk about it to anybody and everybody. It's it's actually hilarious sometimes. I'll give you an illustration. I'm a feeler. This is just, a bu- this is just part of it. A- and that has not changed in all the years that I know. I just That's the way I am. And so when I hit something, I'm going to process it. I don't want to go away and think about it. I want to talk about it. And I will talk to anybody and everybody. So my wife... So I'm I'm kind of over here. My wife is way over here. She's a thinker, you know, needs to be thoughtful and logical and everything. So we'll be with people that we've never even met before. And I'll open up and start talking about some problem I have. And I cannot tell you how many times we've been driving home and she's like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) I mean, I don't even understand you. Why would you open up and talk about this thing to people that we hardly even, you know, she's just, it's, it's hilarious, but it is, it's how I'm built and it's how she's built. And again, neither is right or wrong, you have thinkers, you have feelers, what do you think you are? See, again, it really makes a difference, because if you're a thinker, what you choose when opportunities come in front of you, you need to know, okay, I'm this way, and I'm this way, I'm an extrovert, maybe I'm a feeler, maybe I'm a thinker, it doesn't matter. So what about you? What would you say you are? Definitely a feeler. You're definitely a feeler. <laughs> yes. So you're an extroverted feeler. You have, these are, and, and uh, we know this in the family, she's the girl with so many emotions and they're right out there. She's a big time feeler. And that doesn't make her any better or any worse than anybody else. It is just how she's bent, creatively and beautifully by God. All right, here's another one. You have people who on one end are, again, these are very descriptive, just settle it people, and other people are play it by ear people. So let's just talk about the just settle it people. It's pretty obvious. They love order. They love plans. They love structure. They have a neat house, a neat car, and a neat life. And that's the way they like it. When they plan trips, they plan the potty breaks. (laughs) Much to the discomfort of people who do not have as large a bladder as they do. And they won't I mean, they just, they settle it. They really don't like change. They want to know what's happening, know where it's going to go. Whereas on the other end of the spectrum, these people over here on the play it by ear side, they're just like, let's just see what happens. Let's roll with it. And it's always funny when you have one of each in a marriage and you talk about a vacation. It's a place for a marital dispute to take place. Uh, I know this from experience. So you have people who are on both sides of it. The, the, the play by art people, they just, you know, they, they, they adapt well to new things. Something changes and, and everybody else gets upset and they're just like, oh, let's see where this, let's see how this plays out. And it's interesting because, you know, play by art people, they love to start stuff, but they're lousy finishers because they get it started and then they're on to the next thing. They start and on the next thing. And so, you know, The just settle it people have to come behind them and clean up the mess and fix it and and, and follow it through and make sure that it comes to happen. And again, one's not better than the other. That's just how they're built. So what are you? Are you more of a just settle it person or are you more of a play by ear? Now you may think that all these, if you're an extrovert, then you have to be a feeler, then you apparently have to be a play by ear. It's an interesting thing because you don't. These are very unique to each person. So, What would you say you are? Just settle it. So you're not a play it by your person. Mm -mm. You like to know what's happening. You like to have it figured out. You like to have your day mapped out and planned. I don't like change. Oh, good girl. You and I are on the same page. (laughs) Actually, we've lined up in all three. It's a remarkable thing. So you're healthy. All right, that's good. (laughs) See, she and I are not better or worse than anybody else. We are just who God made us to be. Listen now, listen. For what God made us to do. What I would contend, and I believe this with all my heart, is that God has designed you to win. And this is why it's important to know who you are. Because when you are self unaware, you walk into settings and situations where you just make a mess of things because because you're not self aware that I'm going to walk in and choose this box. And it's going to be a mess because it's not what I'm built for. God made you to win. This is what Scripture tells us, Romans 8, 37, and all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He wants us to win. Personally, I I will tell you, knowing these things, knowing ourselves in this way, knowing our personalities, this is why I think tribes are so beautiful because in a tribe, whether it's a group of two people or three people or ten people, whatever it is, when you're together, you can call things out of each other that you sometimes don't see. I see this happen in in one of my tribes all the time. It's like guys will go, you know what I see? And they'll say something they see in the other person and sometimes it's like you almost see the light go on in their eyes like, well, that makes sense. Because sometimes we've spent so much of our lives trying to please other people that we are self-unaware and we need to be self-aware. If you're not in a tribe, I challenge you to get into a tribe. All right, so we want to look at our personalities. But then secondly, I think we just want to look, and I'm going to talk about this really quickly, at our passions. Now, let me explain what I mean by this because I think we can get confused about what what I mean when I say understand your passions. I'm not talking about you being passionate about uh, Reese's... Peanut butter cups, okay? I'm not talking about what you love, per se. Actually, what I'm describing when I talk about this is not so much what you're drawn to emotionally because it brings you pleasure, but what stirs in your heart when you see it And sometimes, actually, it's not pleasure at all. Sometimes it's actually, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, hey, I have a passion for hunting or I have a passion for scrapbooking or for whatever crazy thing you might do. I have a passion for biking or all these things. I think those are gifts from God and they're wonderful, but that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about this thing down on the inside of you that when you see it, there's something in you that goes, oh. And actually... What I'm describing is not something that always brings you pleasure, but actually agitates you. Sometimes it disturbs you on the inside. Now, can I just give you a little clue here? Sometimes when we feel disturbed and unsettled, upset on the inside, we're praying, God, take this feeling away. And what you may not realize is it may actually be the hand of God agitating you because he wants you. He's called you, he's built you and created you and actually impassioned you for specific things. So knowing how you're impassioned by God. And I think maybe one of the ways that you could look at it, and this is pretty simple really when you you think about that, is is you you could just say, in in effect, you know, what is it I want to fix? What do I want to fix? What is it, this thing on the inside of me that I I want? I, I see this thing. When I walk by this thing, I get this agitation on the inside. Instead of so you need to know what that is. Because there's something in you that goes, something needs to be dealt with this. For example, some of you, it, it is it is relationships with people, it is so important. And so when you see somebody in pain, you look at them and you go, Oh, they're a mess. I need to find a way to help them. Some of you, you look at people and you see they're in pain and you go, Oh, they're a mess i got to get out of here. And it doesn't make you worse or better. What it means is is that you're impassioned in certain ways. It could be policy, political policy. It could be for serving and helping other women who have been abused. It could be a thousand different things. But what is it when you look at it, just something in you is agitated? What is that thing? What is it that you want to fix? I heard someone say once, and I agree with this, that really, we should be asking the question, what wrecks me? What do I just get wasted by when I see it? So what is that for you? And we talked about how your bent terms, personality, what you look like, but what is it when you walk by it? you go, like, this thing's got to, somebody should do, I, I need to, what is it? What is that thing that just keeps coming back to you? What? What would you say that is? And if you would say, Jeff, I honestly don't know, maybe, maybe it's because you're actually not even asking the question. What is the passion that God's put in me? Because you are called to be more than a person who does a job, goes home, lays in front of the tube, and watches Netflix until you get up and do it over again day after day after day ad nauseum. You have a calling on your life, a high calling by God, to make a difference in your world. What is your passion? What about you, Naomi? What would you say? Um, For my passions, I would say that something I'm very passionate about. Speak up, real loud. Something that I'm very passionate about is um, connecting with people on deeper levels and creating strong bonds with others and just, yeah. Why? Um, Because I think it is a God-given gift. And um, when you connect with people, it is a doorway to connecting people with God. So you feel like your passion is connected with people so that you might be able to be a, a window so they could make a connection with God. Yes. I think that's pretty cool to know that at 14, don't you? I think that's a great thing. So the point of all this is not... It's not just to feel good about ourselves. It's not so she can go, well, I know me. Isn't that awesome? This is not. So you have to understand doing this is not about being obsessed with yourself. It's not not narcissism. It is actually God honoring because when I know how he made me, I can be used for what he made me for. Be aware of that. Be aware of that because He made you. He made you beautifully and wonderfully. This is what the psalmist wrote. I love this. He said, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God built you in love and He built you for a purpose. And so, as opportunities arise in front of you, you have a higher calling. So, this is my prayer. This is my prayer for my granddaughter, Naomi, that I love so much I can hardly stand it. This is my prayer for you, our church family, for everybody watching online. This is my prayer for me. That we would step up to the higher calling by being self-aware to know this is how God made me. This is what I'm called to. That we would live that. And that we would not fall into a pattern of busy escape, busy escape, and trade our significance for pleasure. See, my prayer is that when we stand before God, what we'll hear is not... Like what Jeremiah spoke to some of God's people. This is pretty powerful. He said, while God's speaking, he says, while you were doing all these things, while you were busy watching Netflix or whatever it is, while you were, while you were playing video games, he's, he says, I spoke to you again and again, but you did not, what? Listen. You didn't listen. He says, I called you. I had a calling on your life. I called you. But you didn't answer. No, I don't want to hear that. What I hope to hear it's well done, good and faithful servant. I gave you gifts. I gave you personality. I gave you and made you wonderfully. And you lived that higher calling. May God help us to do that. Would you join me in prayer? And then we're going to spend some time together in worship. God, help us. Help us. To live, to walk out our higher calling and bring glory to you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tvcweb.com.